Let's, uh, where do we start? Let's start with Rex. Seven, eight, read, uh, read eight verses. <clears throat> 21? Yeah. Eight verses. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God has made me to laugh, so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given child, uh, children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. Okay. No, just a minute. Um, what? Stop. Uh, yeah. Cut loose. I didn't think that happened one day. No, no. It, here. No, 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 no. Here he probably was. Uh, the weaning process at this time of, in history, they weren't weaned until they were at least three, which is. You know, we have the great story of H.L. Honey's wasn't weaned until he was eight. Who? H.L. Hunt. That's why I thought it was I knew I should have gotten on that line of conversation. Anyway, the reason that this um, reading is on uh, Rosh Hashanah is, is that Isaac was born on Rosh Hashanah. Isaac, the child of the promise, just as Christ, the child of the promise. That's why we, that's why we read this, or we're supposed to have read this on Rosh Hashanah. But I want to talk a minute about the word visited. Visited in Hebrew is the Hebrew word pakad or pakad, and I can't pronounce it right, so. But it, it means to attend with care or to take note of, and it points to an action that, that, that inexorably changes um, the position of the one visited. Every time you see this word in the Bible, pakad, it means that the one being visited will be from that moment forward changed inexorably. He can never return to his, the state that he was previous to that. Um, it's either for good or for ill. Remember I keep telling you, you don't want God to visit you on your terms. If God visits you on your terms, then by definition what will happen is it has to produce evil. The visits of God throughout the scriptures are only at the appointed time or at the set time. And the set time is never man's time. You understand? So what that indicates, if you look at history and if you look at the scriptures, anything, any time that you wanted something to happen, it was the wrong thing to wish for. Without exception, throughout the scriptures. 
Every time he wanted a visitation from God, it would only produce ill or destruction or death. God visits at his time. Now, that, if, you, if you consider that, that's really, it, it, it just kind of destroys your, your free, your, your, you know, this idea, well, I'm just, it destroys your sincerity is what it does. Sincerity doesn't hold up a whole lot in that uh, venue. Now, let's look at some. Oh, by the way, when it's, when, 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 when it's, when, when it's, this word pakad is used for, when God visits for ill, it's many times translated punish. But it's the same word. It's the same word. In other words, the same word in Hebrew has two totally different meanings depending on the state of the heart. That's why, let's keep, keep your finger there. Go to 2 Corinthians 5. Or 2 Corinthians 2. What? So, at the end, it really just depends on the state your heart's in. It'll be one of those two things because God's going to be making his final visit. That's right. That's what produces the fear of God. You understand the fear of God cannot be... You're never gonna. You're never gonna describe. You're never gonna understand the fear of God by saying, you know, what the poet's response. Oh God, he's the poets. He's God in nature. Oh, praise God, God's poets and and uh, emblematic painters. <coughs> God in nature. Yeah, I'm gonna dead scrolls on my. Terry, what was your question? It depends what state your heart's in. Yeah. What when I, God makes his final visit. Well, this is this. When time well, when time comes to an end, all that matters at that point, the, the, that is is that moment. It, we had we've had Harry's had an interesting trip. <laughs> well, we all. That was his heart. No, it was an interesting trip. Huh? It was interesting for all of us. Yeah. But right now we're talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Harry was in a state of rebellion for most of yesterday. And, I'm old, I'm old, and his words were his words to Paul were I'm old, I'm tired, and I'm bald. You're old, you're tired. There's four of them. You're old, you're tired, you're mm, and bald, and you're not going to do what I asked him to do again. I'm too old, I'm too tired. Neglect. I had four really good reasons. Anyway, but he told him Paul. Not to me. No, Paul didn't tell me. No, but it, it wasn't, I mean, it's like, Harry's kind of, Harry's not very difficult to tell if he's in a bad mood or not. He wasn't, he wasn't even looking at me. I, I, I literally, I, I was behind him, and I went, I can sense the rebellion. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's, it really it's is me on the building sign I'm not even around that much, and I don't know what's Well, anyway, the, the, the thing that got him out of it was this recognition that at the end, of what the fear of God is. At the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. That's what we studied in Rosh Hashanah, right? The dead in Christ shall rise first, and those that are of us that are alive shall rise and meet him in the air. Well, do you understand that at that moment is the only moment that counts? If your heart is in a state of rebellion, if you're not in a state of peace, 
If you're not in a state of understanding at that moment, it'll be as though you never existed. It's not going to be this great ego trip that you're going to spend the rest of your life being punished in hell. It'll be as though you never existed. And so the fear of God makes a thing take place. And that is that there is no justification that you can perceive by your senses that for, for you to be in a state other than peace. And that the act of discipleship is the constant testing of those motives and those things. The act of you becoming a disciple is the act of, it, it, really it's an act of placing your motivations subject to be proven or tested. And you don't like it. Nobody likes it. Nobody likes to be called. Who are you? Who are you to do that? Who are you to say that? What business is that? I've done enough. Harry, see, Harry, we've been working like 40 hours a day from sun up from, you know, every day. So Harry, had, he'd done enough. He'd, he needed a shower. He needed a shower. He was dirty. My hind end was numb. He was dirty. He was, oh, that's five, there five of them. No, 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 no. He was dirty. He was numb from here to here. He was old. He was bald. And he was tired. And he wasn't going to take it anymore. Such a Yeah. So there. So there. So there. So what happened? So who So you got yelled at. <laughs> But, 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 but I want, if I'm not at rest, I want you to yell at me. In other words, we have to exhort one another daily yeah. while it is still called today because it's not going to be called today much longer. And if we are, if we know that's the, that's the meaning that the child of the promise has been born in us, we then, if we know we're at rest, know we're at peace, then we're ready at any time for God to visit. Remember, the, the Talmud said that if God, if God visits you, if Messiah visits you, riding on the colt of an ass, he's really mad. If Messiah visits you in the clouds, then he's happy. If Messiah visits on the cult of an ass, i.e. the senses you can see, you can perceive, you can judge, you can do something, you can handle, you can make him useful for you, you're happy. Messiah is unhappy. Do you understand the, the distinction? You must be in this state of peace, i.e. ready for the visit at all times, without regard to external circumstances. The word peace, shalom, it means the absence of againstness. Huh? Peace doesn't, you know, that's why I told Harry, as long as everything's going your way, that's what, Harry's telling me, well, I, you know, I, this doesn't happen to me very often. This, I don't get this way very often. I don't get all bent out of shape and tie-rised every very often. We, we had a talk with Tyra, too. But Harry and Ty are a lot alike. In this in this regard, in this in this arena of of of, of we've got to know we're at peace no matter what the external circumstances are. 
And so I said to Harry, I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm, not, I'm getting better. I haven't done this for a long time. It's been at least a week. And I, and I said, yeah, because things have going, been going well. God wants things to go badly for you to test whether or not you're at peace in tribulation. Because if you think suffering is strange, you've believed the wrong gospel. And all things will not be proven. At those times which you really believe what Harry believes, if when you get upset at something, what you really believe, what you want, is you want a Tilton gospel. You want the gospel of success. You want the gospel that says gain is godliness. You want the gospel that's going to give you something. Search it, and you will see the gospel costs you everything. Remember we studied... On each of these feasts, there's some aspect of the feast that cannot be used. It cannot be useful. Though men tried every way to use it, it won't fit in. On Hanukkah, you can't use the candle for anything. You can't use the candle to read by. You can't use the candle to heat by. You can't use the candle to light another candle by. The Hanukkah candle can only be its own. It's its own dynamic. Well, everything about God cannot be useful. If you're teaching usefulness of God, you're teaching Babylon. You understand? The discipleship is the process where you become useful to God. The process of God becoming useful to you is a childish act that's played in Egypt. Unfortunately, that's all the world knows about God these days because of these Blasphemers on television. Trying to make God useful to them. The lesson of Isaac, the child of the promise, not useful for anything. And then comes the discipleship. And then comes the certainty that you can say to the world, the flesh, or the devil, take your best shot, and you will be at peace no matter what happens. If you're not at peace tonight... I challenge you, you must get there because that's the way you will learn the fear of the Lord. To know that if he comes at this instant and you're not at peace, it doesn't matter what your excuse is. Well, I'm a victim. Forget it. Well, Ola yelled at me. Forget it. Well, my wife didn't do this. Well, forget it. If you're not at peace at that instant, at that twinkling of an eye, forget it. That's what will produce the fear of God. And that's the only thing that will produce the fear of God. And that fear of God then, maybe for the first time in your life, produces the beginning of wisdom. And it produces the efficacy that you are then, from that moment forward, able to abandon yourself, to take no thought for your life, to stop seeing the world as a mirror. Do you understand how evil it is to see the world as a mirror? How comforting it is to talk about it. Oh, this is how it affects me. Oh, this is what I see in it. That's the essence of evil. Well, this is, just, this is just what I think about it. Nobody cares. Revelation says you see him in all things. You see not yourself. If you see yourself, you're, as, you're by definition, no matter what, you're only a hearer of the word and not a doer. Because you're looking at your natural face in a glass. If you look at it and see him, you will learn the fear of God.
Does that communicate? That's all we're about. Nothing else is going on. And in that process, life will be formed. As it says here, if you're in that process, it says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. 2 Corinthians 2.14 Thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and make manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ, in them that are saved and in them that perish. We're always a savor, no matter where we are. To the one, we are the savor of death unto death, and to the other, the savor of life unto life, and who is sufficient for these things. For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God. The word corrupt, there is a technical term, if you want to check it out, in a, in a, and it means to, it's, a, it's a technical term which means to add water to the wine for the purpose of commerce. You add water to the wine so you can make more money, so you can make it, take advantage of it, you can sell more of it. You understand that? We are not of they which corrupt the word of God. We are not of they which preach man-pleasing in the name of God. That's what it means to add water to the wine. But as of sincerity, but as of God in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. Now, again, you've seen it so often in your own life. It felt for a moment like everything was being destroyed around you. You were in total misery. Everything was wrong. Your eyes were totally in yourself. You were in a pit. No circumstances changed. Nothing changed except here. And in a moment of time, that switch was turned and you were in a state of joy. From depression to joy in one minute, in one second, in one nanosecond. Why? Well, I can be real religious and say it's because you saw Jesus which is true, but you always don't know you see Jesus. What you see, though, how can I say it? It's like you stop making incorrect judgments about the circumstances. If you're convinced that somebody's out to get you, no matter what they say to you, you will always be in a state of suspicion and you'll always be in a state of blame. Once you know with a certainty that that person loves you without condition, there's no more need to accuse. And the same, you can be in a state of terrible knockdown, drag out fight, and in one split second, you can go from that to peace and joy. No circumstances change. Well, that's the meaning of this word visit. God visits. Let's look at a couple places where God visited. Go to Isaiah 24. Verse 17. Fear and the pit and the snare are upon thee, O inhabitant of the earth. Now, 
the word inhabitant is a is a clearly it's a it's a clear meaning. It's it's, it's why it's so important that Paul and the others say that we are and, and Moses say that we are pilgrims, we are strangers here, and that our home we are seated. The word says we are seated with him in the heavenlies. That means we are permanently there. I mean, we are there now. And all that has to catch up with that is our mind and, and soul. And we will be there, and nothing can affect that. But if you're an inhabitant of the earth, then you're in the snare and the pit. And all that can happen to you is the Holy Spirit can, will has to move on you towards destruction. He has to slowly cause your worst fears to come upon you. Do you understand that? Slowly, rapidly, sometimes. It depends on, even, it, it just, it, it, it's, it's like he, there's wisdom in how much he's put upon you. But you must come to a point where you see that this isn't your home. This isn't your life. These value systems aren't yours. You do not fear the things that they fear. You do not give importance to the thing that they give importance to. You know, those things, you, you certainly don't esteem those things that men esteem. If you do, you're, you know that you're being deceived. Now, and it shall come to pass that he who fleeth from the noise of the fear shall fall into the pit. And he that cometh up out of the midst of the pit shall be taken in the snare. For the windows from on high are open and the foundations of the earth do shake. Now, you've got to recognize this, this was written 2,500 years ago. It's written in the present tense. The earth is utterly broken down. The earth is clean or completely dissolved. The earth is moved exceedingly. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard and shall be removed like a cottage. And the transgression thereof shall be heavy upon it and it shall fall and not rise again. Now here's where God's visiting. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall punish the host of the high ones that are on high. Now, what it says is that shall punish the host of the high ones that are in the high place. In other words, that you're, you're living your life based on the value systems of the high places. And the kings of the earth upon the king. Now, the word, Lord, where it says the Lord shall punish, the word that that word is visit, pakad. Okay, so God is visiting here. Let's look at another place He's visiting. Jeremiah twenty-three. Excuse me, woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Now how, how can a pastor destroy and scatter the sheep 
of God's pasture. How can that happen? Yeah, but it has a very interesting issue. Think about it. The way in which you destroy the sheep of his pasture is to preach success in isolation. You scatter the sheep by preaching the success of the isolated self in God's name. That by definition scatters the sheep. On the other hand, the cross, preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolishness. The preaching of the cross has to, has to it, it inevitably will form a community where there's only weakness is appreciated. And the things that cause you such destruction and despair in another person, and you want to you give your life if they'd only change, you find are transformed into things that cause them to be precious in your sight. And you no longer try to say, you know, the idea that you would, those that desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, to change, lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. Anytime somebody, anybody wants you to change for any reason, any part of you, they are trying to avoid the persecution of the cross by being associated with you. Do you understand that? The cross will always produce the community and the appreciation of the weakness. The success of the isolated self and the attempts at preaching of the success, no matter if they're a failure at preaching it, will always scatter the sheep. That's why God hates so badly those that preach that gain his godliness. It says he hates the doctrine. Two things he said. He hates the doctrine of the Nicolaitans and the doctrine of Balaam. If you listen, turn on the television, that's all you will hear in the name of God. And Jesus that said, that's the only time Jesus ever said he hated them. He hates the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, Nico, which means success, and Balaam, the doctrine of Balaam is mixing with the world. He bringing them, bringing God to the, bringing God to the country. Woe be to the, woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, against the pastors that feed my people. You have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not visited them. How can a television preacher visit the flock? It's obvious. It's axiomatic. There's only one way, and that's to send little pieces of yourself. You send little pieces, send little letters that are computer generated. Well, behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doings. Visit there, again, it's Picard. God is visiting. God's going to visiting. Understand? Visit. Now let's see the same word used. Same circumstances. Go to, uh, go to Genesis 50, verse 24. Okay, Joseph is comforting his brethren at the death of their father. And he says all this stuff. He says, remember it's this famous passage, Satan meant it for evil, but God turned it to good. <clears throat> and that's always the case. God always causes us to triumph. 
There's no condition that can cause you not to try. There's no situation that you can be in that isn't exactly the right situation. Rest. Rest. God always causes us to try. Now, in verse 24, And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he sware to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Now there, God is visiting for the purpose of bringing them as the parable out of Egypt into the promise, for bringing you as the, as the receptor in your mind out of the world system of choices. you got to hear that, finally. You understand? As long as you have choices... You're in Egypt. And don't, don't condemn it if you're still there. But don't preach to me about the success of Egypt. Don't preach to me about God in Egypt. Then finally when the plagues hit you and you've become sore, destroyed, you go across this Red Sea in baptism and you enter here into the wilderness and you have no options and you hate it. You complain and murmur all the time. You just, you, you just, see, you just, Harry's the metaphor for being in, in, in the wilderness. Is that where abandonment is? Abandonment begins in Egypt. I mean in the wilderness. But you hate the you hate it. You still question it. You talk about it. You talk to yourself and you mind talk. Drive around your little car talking to yourself. And you 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 you're in here in the wilderness all this time until all of your idolatry and value systems are destroyed. Some of you will die in the wilderness. So just as some of you died in Egypt. But God desires, but as for me and my household, we'll set our face as flint to go up to Jerusalem, to the new Jerusalem. Now, today, <clears throat> no options and you hate it. No options and you love it. That's the promise. And the mercy seat here there's no options, and you just give. You don't even think about it anymore. All right, let's go see another visit. Let's watch God visit some more. Ruth 1. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. Okay, in the book of Ruth. Then she, first, chapter 1, verse 6. Then she's talking about, oh, she's talking about Naomi, right? Naomi here is the she, verse 6. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. 
No. She's talking about visited the people in, in the promise, in the, in the place of the promise. She's in Moab, and she heard that now the Lord has visited and gave them bread. That's what we hear. That's we we hear sometimes. Some of you just hear. You just heard a rumor that the Lord has visited his people. And we, we're tired of Moab. Moab's just the flesh. And all the value systems and idiocies of the flesh. You try to make it religious, but it just doesn't work. Maybe it works for some of you. It didn't work for me. Try to make it religious. doesn't work. And then you hear it. You hear that God has visited the promise, the rest. God has visited the rest, and there is providing them the bread of life. So why don't you try the rest? Why don't you try just being at peace? Why don't you quit listening to the yap dog for a minute? God, then God will visit. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's enough. It's enough to think about God visiting for a while. I have a question. You said earlier that in the twinkling of the eye, when Christ shall return, those that are dead in Christ shall rise, and the rest of us will greet him and meet him in the air. Right. If I were not in a moment of rest, are you saying that I would be left behind? It would be as though you never existed. So, in terms of confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and trust in my heart and thou shalt be saved, you're saying that I could be saved if I was at rest? No, 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 listen. No, listen. You listen to those words that you just read. Romans 10. Nine. Romans 10, nine. I know. For the sake of the group. Yeah, right. Like Doug always said. I just said it for the benefit of everyone else. Sure, I've got some types of beta. Do you want to listen to it? See, first, first start in verse 6. The righteousness of God, which is, well, the righteousness of, which is of faith, speaking in this wise, say not in, even in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven, including yourself. Right. The only one you have said. No, just listen, listen. Don't, just listen. Say not even in your heart, who shall ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down from above. Or say not even in your heart who shall descend into the deep, for that is to bring Christ up again from the dead. In other words, it's none of your business. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in the mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. No. You, you, your heart can't believe. It's location of sphere. In the Greek, that says if you believe that in your heart he is raised. In other words, you understand? It's not that I'm making a belief with my mind that says I'm going to put it in my heart. My mind. He is raised in my heart. In other words, he is my life. 
If I know he is my life, I'm always at peace. That's location of sphere in the Greek language that means he is raised from the dead physically in your heart. It's not that you believe in your heart. You understand the difference? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I don't think about me anymore. If I don't think about me anymore, and I know that in my heart he's been raised from the dead. I start the process out. Go to Galatians 2. Verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of. Now notice the difference between the words, the prepositions of and in. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Jesus Christ. That's the process that we go. It may take you 20 years to go from believing in to faith of. Can you, can you see it's time to get by believing in? It's, it's time to leave that back. Believing in is what happens in Egypt. And you try to get all kinds of stuff and you confess Jesus with your mouth and you believe that he's going to come someday and you're going to do something and he's nice and all that. But that's all in the world. That's what the world system is. It's believing in Jesus. But we must get out here in the wilderness where we live by the faith of Jesus. It's two different things. That's right. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And coming to repentance, I mean, hear me, repentance, we, got, we, we saw this terrible penitentiary in Oklahoma. And it's penitentiary. It's a place you go to get punished. We've got to come to the understanding that repentance doesn't mean what we think it means. It means to go, what repentance truly means is to go from believing in Jesus to go to the believing of Jesus. That's what repentance means. It's, it's, it's in a different sphere of living. It's the abandonment of self. the right to yourself. Begrudging. What? Oh yeah, you hate it. Everybody hates it. To lose the right to yourself is to lose the right to your options. 
And then, then when you say that, if you, that's what crucified means. Crucified means dead. Crucified means it's going to hurt. Crucified means it's going to suffer. I am crucified. I've presented myself a living sacrifice. The only time you, if you're going to present yourself a sacrifice, a sacrifice only goes someplace to get dead. Now, that, it, so I can go out in splendid isolation and say, praise God, I'm dead. And I can believe it. But it takes a body where I have exposed everything to cause it to be real. That's why a church cannot have more than 20, has to have at least 10, because that's the number, that's the mystical number that can eat the Passover lamb. And that everyone will be fell, get filled and there won't be any left over in the morning. And it's only that bread of life. It's he who eats of my flesh and drinks of my blood shall have eternal life. It doesn't matter what you believe about salvation. That's a non-issue. That's a believing in. That's an in place. Now we want to get to the of place. I mean, you know, we can... We can what do you think happens to those people that don't believe of Christ? It's as though they never existed. What, what does it, then why does the Lord talk about hell? Hell is, hell is the place, it's the dump. It's Gehenna. Gehenna. It's the valley of Hinnon which is out of the east gate, east being the evil way. It's out of the east gate. It's east being the way that you've just come from. So everything from the east is what you've left behind. East gate, the valley of Hinnon, it was the dump of Jerusalem. Gehenna. And in that dump, lime was poured and it was set on fire and it became the burning pit. And as long as time exists, hell is there to burn up that which was once useful, but now is no use. When time is exists, when time is over, hell is gone just like everything else. We were talking about that this week, and it's, the human mind is so evil that it must believe in a concept of eternal damnation. I.e., I am so important that throughout eternity I will be the focus of this vice region of the universe who will torture me. And that's my identity. And I will exist throughout eternity. But it's, it's ludicrous. Bullshit. It's ludicrous. It's, it's, it's It'll be as though you never existed. The worst thing is... Well, time won't exist gone. either. Sure. You can't be tortured for eternity because time won't exist. When the mystery of so God is completed... Ever, ever, that implies time. It implies time, but time will be gone. That's why, I mean... Oh, it says it all over the place. But, but for the first place, it says very clearly in, in Revelation 10, verse 6, And swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven, and the things that are therein, and the earth, and the things that are therein, and the sea, and the things that are therein, that there should be time no longer. The only thing that gives space dimension, the only thing that could possibly give hell dimension, is time. If time is no longer, then then there can be nothing left. And that's why that's why we know time really is close because the natural man 
has get, is getting close to the edge. He calls it chaos. We call it spirit. That's why this, all of this $50 million, billion dollar super collider, superconductor down here at Waxahachie is going to do. It's going to try to prove what happens at that knife edge between soul and spirit. Mm -hmm. And it'll find chaos. That's all it can find. It's trying to find the first state of matter. They've, they've taken all states, all power, and brought it down to four points. Gravity, electromagnetic, strong nuclear, weak nuclear. But all physics, when you get into high energy physics, it all indicates that it all came from another point. Because the four, but it was like this, that one point, spirit, is the power. That one point in one one divided by 10 to the 23rd power. In that distance of time, all these four forces came into being. And that's all that man can know about them. That's all that they can know. They'll try everything to get here. They'll believe anything, but they can't get to it. You can't get there from here. Because to get there from here costs you your life. It goes to the simple. I mean, go back to the simple. If you seek to save your life in any way, you'll lose it. Every culture has a resurrection God. You understand? In, in this culture, in American Christianity, they call the resurrection God Jesus. In Lebanon, in the Far East, in the Phoenicians, they call the resurrection God Tammuz. But it's Jesus Christ in the flesh that declares in you it is finished. That's all that's important. If you don't know that, all your beliefs about them will be as though they never existed. It's just ludicrous. The human race is God's sperm cells. You get mad at me for calling the human race God's sperm cells. God calls you grasshoppers. God calls the human race locusts. I, I said there, the human race were God's sperm cells on, 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 on the radio, and I got 50 jillion threatening letters. And the only, I mean, just for, for those of you, I mean, the only sperm cell that is meaningful is the one that's joined with the egg and becomes the new creation. And that egg is the typical mother, our mother Jerusalem. It's the new Jerusalem, which is above, which is the mother of us all. And we must enter that new, that egg, and lose our identity. And then by that loss of identity, we have a new thing. We become, now you are the body of Christ, and members in particular. You're no longer the separated, isolated self that lives by its own struggle and devices and tries to protect itself. You're a new creation that lives by the power of God. Gives no thought for tomorrow. Considers kings and presidents no more important than a gutter rat down the street. Considers billions of dollars no more important than a penny. voice from the cross cry to your heart see that your own attempts at trying to struggle are only evil you have to do it but you have to find out someday it's going to get you nowhere I'm tired take it big guy